Alright, welcome back to another episode of Bed Letter. I'm your host, Christian Ashleman, and this is the podcast where we chat a little bit about human psychology and mental health, uh, social change and cultural trends, and art. Uh, so this is the fourth episode of Bed Letter. Um, if you've enjoyed kind of what you've heard on the first three episodes, as well as what you hear on this one, the first three episodes we covered stuff like um, fake news and, and the influence that can have. As well as in the second episode, we touched on selfies and that perception and that culture. And uh, this last episode the other day was about general education. So if you've enjoyed any of the stuff you've heard in those podcasts, make sure you head over to my Instagram. You can follow me there. That's where I kind of update the most. Um, It's also a good place to generate conversation and, and stuff like that about what's going on in these episodes and what we're talking about. You can also follow me on Twitter. I definitely don't use Twitter as much. Um, a lot of my stuff on Instagram just gets pushed over to Twitter, but if you're a Twitter person and you'd like to follow in that way, you definitely can. And uh, yeah, Bedletter is found on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, and a whole bunch of other um, smaller podcast platforms. Um, and so if you're if you're enjoying what you're hearing, make sure you share it with your friends, your family, anybody who you know who enjoys podcasts, enjoys this kind of stuff. And anybody you know who would be interested in learning about, you know, the human brain, psychology, stuff like that. I know I'm not like this big scientist guy who knows all the stuff, but uh, I'm, I'm passionate about this stuff and I have a passion about sharing it. So um, if you're interested in that way, make sure you share it, make sure you follow, stay up to date. Definitely is easiest to stay up to date by uh, following on whatever platform you listen to. So if you're on Spotify, you know, whatever, iTunes, um, you can subscribe, follow there, and you'll get updates as more episodes come out. And, um, but yeah, also if you want to generate conversation, like I said, Instagram, also YouTube comment, you can head to YouTube and comment there, even though that's a somewhat dangerous ecosystem when it comes to comments, <laughs> but, uh, that's, that's just another way you can get engaged in that way. So, so yeah, welcome back. Welcome back. Um, episode four and this, this week's topic is something that's something that's really difficult to talk about, something that's really near and dear to um, myself, my heart, as something that I've had to you know, deal with in my life happening around me, and I see it happening frequently, and that is the topic of suicide. And it's, it's a huge topic in the realm of psychology, and it's a huge topic everywhere. I mean, most pe- lots of people have been affected by it, either feeling depression and like you know crippling depression and stuff themselves or knowing people who have either attempted suicide or are you know walking that path or whatever so it's it's definitely it's a difficult topic to talk about it's a very difficult topic to talk about um but i feel like this being a podcast where we talk about you know human psychology this is going to be a somewhat reoccurring reoccurring topic to some degree because there's a lot of a lot of research a lot of um, studies that come out about suicide, so it's 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 good to talk about it. In my opinion, I think it's I think it's a, it's a helpful thing to talk about it, to get it out in the open, and to kind of discuss the uh, what's happening with it, the trends, and all this stuff. So um, yeah, we're gonna dive right in here. There's this new article that's come out uh, from a study that was uh, done at Ohio State University by led by Danielle Steelsmith. And uh, she has a PhD in psychiatry and behavioral health, um, and she works at Ohio State's Wexner Med Center, Medical Center. She they did this research about, uh, or I guess some of the other researchers I should say before moving forward. 
some of the other researchers who were involved in this study who helped publish this um, work were uh, also Cynthia Fontanella, who also has a PhD, John Campo, MD, Jeffrey Bridge, PhD, uh, Keith Warren, PhD, and Elizabeth Root, PhD. So lots of uh, big scientists working on this this research and compiling all of this data for us. Um, this stuff, this article actually just came out on September sixth, so it's still a pretty fresh new uh, article. And the research wanted to look at the trends, the suicide trends between age, people that were aged uh, twenty five to sixty four years old in America, in the United States specifically. And so right out the gate, I think that it's important to notice that. These numbers are not including people who are who, people who have attempted or committed suicide in their early teens or in their early twenties. So, like super young adults and teenagers are not not included in any of this data whatsoever that we're talking about today. And I think that's very important to know because these numbers are pretty harrowing, and they're pretty they're it's they're, it's 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 intense. They're they're crazy, and I think it's good to know that this isn't even the the whole of the you know, the reality that's happening out there. And so this is just people that were aged 25 to 64. And, and it's also, like I said, it's it's not including the younger people, but it's also not including the older, older people, like very, you know, anybody who's over 64 years old. It's not including any of those people as well. And so uh, just keep that in mind as we kind of go through this, this research. And it's definitely important to look at those because sometimes people will look at that and say, oh, this these are the suicide stats, right? And you kind of brush over the age group there and you just think, reading the article, well, this is, this is what it is. But there's a whole group of people who are not included in this type, that have committed suicide who are not included in this research. Um, so they focused on that age range. And the reason that they, they said they focused on that age range was because um, they, they only give one sentence to kind of justify why they are only focusing on that. And that's because I guess most other mortality studies only focus on that age range. So mortality studies on could be anything from driving to cancer, heart attack, you know, whatever. So most um, most most mortality studies focus on that that twenty five to sixty four age range, which I feel like suicide is kind of a different kind of mortality, a different kind of. It's not like a disease or an accident, like a uh, you know, like a, like a cancer, whatever. It's 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 a different. It's a different ballgame. And so I, I do wish that they would have touched on the younger generations or the younger people as well as the much older people. But for the sake of for the sake of the research, maybe there was limitations. Maybe there was, you know, there could have been a whole slew of things that limited them in that way. So um, just, just good to keep that in mind. And another thing is it could be, um, you know, as I'm thinking about it, it could have been that maybe for the youth, it's maybe it was difficult for like, the researchers to gain access to youth statistics. Maybe there's some kind of like a consent that has to be given, or I, I don't know how all that works, but that that could play a play a role to some degree as well. Maybe youth data in that regard is is more difficult to obtain. Um, so that's a possibility, but who knows? So anyway, so they gathered uh, data on when they're gathering this data. They gathered it on. Uh, they gathered it on the year of the death, so the year of that the people committed suicide, the sex of the person, whether they're male or female, the and the age, obviously, 25 to 64. They, they got the age of them, and then uh, most importantly, they got the county of residence. So not, not the country, not the state, not the city, the county. This was all done county, count-based counties, every county in America. 
all 50 states, every county. And they got this data from the Census Bureau is where they, they ascertained most of this information. And I think, like I said, I think it's important to notice that it's a county, like they're doing it by, by counties, not states or cities or countries or anything like that. Um, because depending on the way that people gather data, can it can influence and inflate or deflate or prove, disprove people's hypothesis. And it can kind of, you know, the way of gathering data can kind of uh, help you prove what you want to prove right or wrong if if you if you do it right or I guess in this case if you do it wrong I, I don't know how to say that but you get what I mean like de- depending on the way that you decide to gather data can have an influence on what you your results are and what they look like to the news and what they look like to the general public um, but for the sake of this study I don't think it's too big I don't think it's a big deal much that they did it by counties because the big focus of this specific research was to um, was to look at rural or rural uh, rural versus urban uh, trends in suicide. Right, so we're looking at um, the trends and rates of suicide out in rural areas versus um, trends of of suicide in big cities, metropolitan areas, stuff like that. And I think that I do think that county count a county. Um, base of looking at this these numbers is is probably the best and the smallest uh, number you could look at the smallest like governmental way you could look at this this information so I think I do think that it was a good it was a good choice to go with the counties because states are too big states can vary a lot you can have people living in rural areas and in urban areas in in one state right I mean California for example that's huge how do you how do you you know, separate all that out. So counties is a decent way to look at it, but it's just good to keep that in mind. So the actual research, let's get into the numbers, kind of what's going on here. So they were looking at, um, the researchers were looking at the years between 1999 and 2016. That's, that's the only chunk of years that we're looking at here. We're not going back deep into the night, you know, the 1900s. We're not going in you know 2019 this is this is 1999 to 2016 18 year span right and in that time they between ages 25 to 64 there were 453,577 suicides in the United States in the 50 United States again 453,577 suicides that number is insane. That's that's extremely harrowing. But they they also found that the highest frequency of suicides, like in that in the in the year the eighteen years they were looking at, the highest frequency of suicides was between twenty fourteen and twenty sixteen. In those three years, the last the tail end of their study, twenty percent of the suicides of that four hundred fifty three thousand five hundred seventy seven, twenty percent of that number was just in those last three years all right so a fifth of all those suicides were in the years 2014 to 2016 and that number comes out to being 90,567 suicides just between 2014 to 2016 so um and this this stat is the the first article i actually found for this um, research was posted on this website called zme science and 
I hadn't been on this website before. I was kind of like iffy on, it just kind of looked like it could be one of those websites where they just kind of churn out articles as fast as they can. And there, there's a lot of room when that's happening. There's a lot of room for, for misinterpretation of information for, you know, all kinds of error can happen there. So when I was reading the stats on this website, I was like, wait a minute, this doesn't, this doesn't seem realistic or correct. This seems a little, a little off. Because what what ZME Science had posted is, and this is exactly exactly what they said in the very beginning of their article, word for word, it says, rates jumped by 41% from an average of 15 per 100,000 residents to 21.2 per 100,000 residents between 2014 and 2016. So right there, when I when I read the when I read the words rates jumped by forty one percent, and then they're saying that that jump in forty one percent was between twenty fourteen and twenty sixteen, I was instantly like, that seems steep. That seems real steep. And I, you know, I have no doubt that the suicide rates were climbing. That's 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 given in this research, but that that's that steep of a climb seemed seemed a little a little iffy to me. So I. I started doing some digging, right? I went in, I was like, I want to find the actual research article that was written by the researchers that has all of the data, that has all of everything in it. And so I, after going through like two other parent articles and then I finally found the, the, actual, the actual research article and in the article that the, that the researchers themselves curated and wrote and posted – it says the median county level suicide rate increased from 15 per 100,000 in 1999 to 2001 to 21.2 per 100,000 in 2014 to 2016. So in reality, that jump isn't in the last three years, like this ZME Science article was saying. That jump is in from 99 to 2016. So like they totally inflated this number and made it look like it was uh, like there's so much greater and so much more intense in, in this very small span of three years. And so in sales, like I, I was kind of, I was kind of like, I'm not mad, but like, wow, I, I don't know why. To, I, my guess is the person who wrote the article for ZME Science was, my guess is they just didn't read the whole research article either that or they found the other another parent article that was just you know quick to the point and then they kind of just skimmed off of that and then wrote their own article for their own website and and this is this is the point though is you have to be extremely careful when it comes to the research and the information that you're taking in especially when it has to do with something as intense and big of an issue as suicide because it's really easy to sensationalize the whole thing, saying, oh, 41% in three years, 41% in three years, holy cow, you know? But in reality, that 41% was extrapolated across from, from 99 to 2016. There's They totally didn't, like, that statistic isn't true, what they were pushing forward on ZME Science. And it, it could have been for... You know, it could have been for more internet clicks. You know, a forty, a big old percentage like that sounds a lot more intense, and you want to read the article. So maybe it was for clicks. Maybe it was for I don't know what it was for, but it was. It's pretty. Uh, it's it's just intense to see that kind of um, just misinformation, misuse of actual stats and actual um, studies. 
because the numbers themselves are already crazy enough. I just don't understand why or how um, you would want to inflate that number in such a way when the numbers are already crazy enough. And like I said, my guess is it was because they just didn't read the article, the original article, well enough or thorough enough. Um, and I understand everybody makes mistakes. Everybody, you know, comes out and and this, that, and the other. But I th- I do think it's important to try and at least be as accurate as you can. And this was just such a major inaccuracy. So it's definitely good to uh, keep an eye on that. But continuing with the with the stats, right? So so out of that big number, that uh, what was it? The four hundred fifty three thousand five hundred seventy seven suicides. Out of that big number. Uh, 77% of that number, so 349,000, and <laughs> let me try that again, 349,082 were male suicides. So 77% of that number was, um, that bigger number was male suicides, which is also extremely harrowing. That's that's a, I mean, you, you might assume, oh, it's 50-50, and, and just because that's, typically that's how, uh, population numbers kind of end up being in regards to male and female stuff like that, but now seventy-seven percent were male suicides. Uh, Twenty-three point or twenty-two point three percent were between the ages of twenty-five and thirty-four, so that's one hundred and one thousand three hundred and twelve. Twenty-six point five percent, so one hundred and twenty thousand one hundred and fifty-seven of them were between the ages of thirty-five to forty-four, and thirty point one percent. So 136,377 suicides were between the ages of 45 to 54. And then that number drops a bit um, at the end of the studies where it says that 21.1% or 95,771 suicides were between the ages of 55 to 64. And again, those numbers are all coming out of that big total pool of 453,577 suicides in the United States of people between the ages of 25 to 64. So these numbers are, they're pretty crazy. They're pretty, they're steep. There's a lot. It's, it's a lot of people. And like I said, this is just in the United States of America. This isn't, this isn't worldwide. This isn't any other country. This is just our 50 states. This isn't Canada, South America, Mexico. This isn't any of that. It's just our, just our country. And so, um, the, like the main the main thing of this study, they wanted to find suicide data that was formulated around an environmental context, right? So, what that means is they were looking for rates and seeing if those rates differed between rural environments versus urban environments. Are people is the rates of is the rate of suicide higher in you know smaller rural areas or is it higher in urban? you know, big metropolitan cities and, and environments like that. So that was like the main focus of their of their research with this stuff was kind of the context of the of the location and the environment of the suicide. And to do this they they, they used four categories to classify every um, United States county in our country. And they did this uh, at first. They had a whole bunch of categories, but they they boiled it all down to four different categories. They had large metropolitan counties, small metropolitan counties, micropolitan counties, and rural counties. So those are the four the four locations, the four types of locations that we're working with. 
And I think it's important to note that um, the numbers and rates are two different things, right? So the numbers I'll read you in a second for these counties, these four different subgroups, the numbers are different than the rates, right? So the numbers in a large metropolitan county are going to be higher than the rural counties, just because in metropolitan counties, you have so many more people. But the rates is per those people, how often are people actually committing suicide given the <clears throat> given the um, level of giving the amount of people in that area? So um, in large metropolitan counties, so big cities, huge cities, forty eight percent of those of that big that big number we talked about earlier, forty eight percent of that number, forty eight percent of the suicides were happened in large metropolitan counties. That's two hundred and seventeen thousand seven hundred and seventy two people. And in small metropolitan counties, that accounted for thirty two point eight percent of of that big number earlier. Um, 32.8%. So that comes out to be 148,716 people. And in micropolitan counties, that they accounted for 17.1% of suicides, um, or 77,424. And in rural counties, rural counties um, accounted for two point, only 2.1% of the, of the total suicides. And that's 9,665. Now, the, the rates in rural counties were the highest. Um, and that's, that's due to, that's because if you look at it, rural counties have such a small number of people, but the rate of suicide in those, in those communities and in those counties was much higher than the rates of suicide for in huge cities, right? So you have to look at the number of people that live in these, these giant metropolitan pe- places, the number of people who are actually committing suicide, the rate at the, that's happening per, let's say, 100,000 people is a lot less than the rate of suicide in these smaller places. So rates and numbers are two different things. And they did find that in rural counties, or, or uh, rural counties that were considered to be like deprived of, of lots of different things, um, they they oftentimes had higher rates of suicide than just regular rural counties or any other type of county, the metropolitan, micropolitan, and and stuff like that. So deprived rural counties were at the greatest had the greatest risk for um, higher levels of suicide. And deprived could mean all kinds of things. Deprived could be less access to you know healthcare solutions and and mental health services. It could be less access to job services and food pantries and banks and all kinds of stuff like that. So they also found that in the in they also found in the study that ca- uh, counties that were at more risk included ones that were the ones that were at the most risk were western counties, western states. So states like Colorado, Utah, New Mexico, Arizona, Wyoming, um, places like that where they had counties that were uh, had the highest risk of suicide. The second most was the Appalachia region. So Kentucky, Virginia, West Virginia, that whole area. Um, counties in that area had the second highest probability or uh, likelihood of suicide. And then um, the third most, and all these are a lot. Like this isn't like, oh, this... The third one here is the the least risk. This all three of these are high, are all high risk. Um, 
And so the third one was the Ozark region, so Arkansas, Missouri, that area. Um, all of these had high risk or had higher risk than uh, anywhere else they found or counties in other places. So why so why are suicide rates in rural areas so much higher? Why why is it coming out that suicide rates in these rural areas are so much higher? Um, and like I said, the numbers are not higher. The numbers are never going to be higher. You can't a rural area can't match up with a with a uh, metropolitan area ever because there's just so many people that live in a metropolitan area. But the rates the rate of suicide is so much higher in these rural in these rural areas. That word is so weird to say. Um, and what they what they've put forward as possible, you know, salute not solutions, but possible answers to this question as to why it's higher in rural areas, is that um, oftentimes there's a very there's a much higher level of of social isolation in these places. You know, a lot of times the houses are far more spread out. They're, the community is very spread out. There's people are more alone. People are more living out there by themselves and or just within their their small family unit or whatever so there's a greater level of social isolation and what's more is there's oftentimes challenges with transportation and interpersonal communication right so um the, there there might not be public transportation systems in these rural areas because of the lack of you know infrastructure and city and and things like that and uh, also interpersonal communication that could be there's less phone service available for these people there's less internet availability there's less there's all all of these things that we are so used to you know people that live in cities or even not even in cities but in just uh, micropolitan metropolitan suburban areas that we're used to places that are out there in um in rural areas don't always have access to so those those factors all play a play a role and also in these rural areas a lot of times they have difficulty um, accessing health and mental like health care and mental health services like i said earlier and so all of the all of those things have the potential to play a big role in why the rates are so much higher in rural places because cities always have will have more access to job placement services, to more food banks and nonprofit organizations and and stuff like that. Cities are going to have a higher concentration of those things. Um, and also another another reason why uh, suicide rates in these rural areas are are so much higher could be due to um, trends in automation, information technology, alternative energy solutions, stuff like that. Big advances like that sometimes skip over rural areas, right? Um, auto, big automation trends and stuff that that doesn't always that kind of technology doesn't always arrive in rural areas like it would in cities, and so being skipped over like that for for energy solutions, you know, so all that kind of stuff that can that can have way big on the health of this. And not only just the health, physical health, but the mental health of of rural societies and rural communities. Um, and so they they literally just they lack a lot of times these rural communities lack the human the human capital and flexibility to be able to adapt and um, and overcome and and grow their 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 uh, community into a more modern day society. I guess you could say. And by human capital, I just mean they have less. They're just less people. There's less people to, to be able to do more with, and a lot of times this kind of thing can lead to deprivation, like we talked about earlier. 
and those those rural areas were definitely at the highest risk. So um, this is all this is all very doom and gloom. Obviously, this is all very uh, it's very dis- it's very disheartening and it's very it's very it's just heartbreaking. It really is. This whole all these solutions, even or all of these uh, findings, all of these, even just the you know putting the rural ones aside, just the, just the sheer number, just the sheer stats of the suicides is very disheartening. It's very doom and gloom. Um, so, so what are, what are the possible solutions? What are the things we can do as a society to help lessen these numbers, to stop this growing trend of suicide, stop it from going, going up and then start it, start it on the downward trend. How do we, how do we do that? And so I found there's this quote in the, in the research article by Danielle Steele Smith and her, her, uh, associates where <clears throat> she talks a little bit, a little bit about possible solutions and I really like this quote I think it's I think it's fantastic and it was really interesting when I was reading it. I was kind of like enlightened in a way I was like holy cow this this just makes sense and so basically this is how it goes it says consistent with prior research these findings indicate that greater opportunities for social engagement and connection within a county are associated with lower suicide rates programs establishing connectedness and social support within a community are a potential strategy for reducing suicide. Several programs that include components for building connectedness, such as peer support programs and community engagement activities, have been shown to be effective within bounded settings and could be practically applied to test the effect of enhancing social capital as a means of reducing suicide risk. So I had to read that like twice. Um, just to kind of grapple with all of what she's saying, but I really love this ideology. I really love the 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 way that prior research and this research has shown that connectedness and not living on top of each other in cities and stuff like that, but just like community connectedness and a sense of community is one of the biggest things to help that helps fight suicide risk. Right? It helps uh, helps people feel like there is another something like like there's something bigger than themselves i guess you know and so i think i think as i think it's just fascinating just just having the opportunity for programs having the opportunity for engagement and and peer support just having the opportunity for that is is directly correlated to um less suicide risk less suicides as, as a whole um so that's one possible solution that's that's and that's a big one that's a huge one but you know, there's a lot of other findings that this that this uh, research did. There's a lot of like little things that they tacked on that are really cool, that are are that put forward a, an interesting view or an interesting uh, just interesting correlations, I guess you could say. Um, and the first one was that uh, the availability of health insurance was strongly associated with suicide rates, right? So they found that more uninsured populations had a much higher risk for suicide. So the availability of health insurance is is very strongly correlated with the um, rate of suicide in a community, in a county. Um, which which makes sense to me. I mean if you if you don't if you don't think that you have any options, if you don't think, well, I can't go get help because I just I have no options. There's no way I can afford it. There's no way I can do any of that. That is a direct corre- uh, correlation to to the, the possibility of someone um, being at risk to commit suicide, 
And I mean, I think that's another reason why, you know, the topic of healthcare is such a such a hot one and should be such a hot one in in this country. Because these people who just like legitimately don't can't afford it and don't have access to it are just by the numbers at much higher risk for suicide. Another thing that they put forward for extra just like tacked on research that's interesting. Another reason why rural rates might be higher is that a lot of uh, there's more veterans that come from rural places, more like military veterans that come from rural places. So they they've they said that 28% of veterans live in rural communities whereas in the United States just in the civilian population, only about 14% of the United States civilians come from rural communities. So um, that percent is already uh, higher in veterans than it is in United States civilians, and veterans are at a higher risk and commit suicide at a higher rate than the United States population. And so um, that is also something that could contribute to those numbers of why rural rates are higher. And uh, and more and tracing that even back further, rural communities often have way higher rates of military recruitment to begin with. Which, you know, sometimes that can cause disruption in families and routines and community functions and stuff like that. And so um, th- these are just, this is just another reason why, another potential correlation as to why the suicide rates of, in, in rural counties and rural places is more and higher than in other metropolitan, micropolitan areas. Um, and then a, a final a final thing that they did that they tacked onto this research was that um, they found that the availability of gun shops was correlated to suicide rates, which I found that to be very interesting. I mean, off the cuff, it kind of I guess I guess it could make sense, right? I, that could make sense for sure. Um, just the availability of gun shops, the availability of weapons, is correlated um, with suicide rates. And they did find, though, that that correlation was stronger in metropolitan areas than in rural areas. So metropolitan areas that had more access to weapons and guns, that number of gun shops was higher, had a higher correlation to um, in metropolitan cities than it did in rural areas. <laughs> and then, uh, it, but it also, it also kind of in that, it also mentioned how a lot of rural households already own a firearm most of the time. And so that, I mean, that kind of can play a little bit of a role for sure as well. So, um, so what, what did this, what did this study do? Well, what did they touch on that was done really well? And I I think a lot of this study is done well. I think this study is fascinating. I think they did it really well. They, they, but most importantly, they gathered the numbers. They have the data. They have the uh, the information that you need to to be able to pick apart all this in this research, and because numbers are everything when it comes to to research. Numbers, I mean, we can sit and talk about correlations and talk about the potentials and and all this stuff all day, but numbers are what what give us the information we need to make policy, to make decisions, to make to start solving problems. And so I think that it did that really well. I think it gathered the numbers fantastically. Even though the numbers are absolutely, like I said, absolutely harrowing and, and completely disheartening. Another thing it did really well that I love that it did is that it spread its scope really wide. It it touched on the gun shop correlation. It touched on health insurance correlation. It touched on, you know, its main thing where we're looking at location. 
We're looking at rural areas as you know, and metropolitan areas and micropolitan areas and smaller metropolitan areas. You know, we're touching on all of these different things and all of these different correlations, um, and and even the the deprivation sector. How they how they talked about how um, uh, rural areas that were more deprived even had even a higher risk of suicide. Like spreading the scope really wide it, it, like I've said in, in previous episodes it only can help it can only uh, add more information for the the American public for for people who are trying to form policy and for people who are trying to help out these these um, these populations of people who are struggling with their mental health spreading the scope wide and seeing the different correlations and the different um, the different contributors to these numbers is huge hugely important and there there is a point where you spread your scope too wide i guess and you start to lose some validity but i think that they spread it wide enough just wide enough to where they could touch on some really important things um, and some really important correlations and uh, another thing i think they did really well is that they provided real and uh, tested solutions right so like community engagement community connectedness that kind of thing. I think that them putting forward those solutions in their research um, is is really helpful and beneficial to policymakers, to people who are trying to help these populations. And so um, just being able to put those solutions out there as potentialities is huge. And and, and the last few things I think they did really well um, was that I think they, like having a longitudinal study is is really big. I think that's really uh, helpful, very, you, you're able to gather a lot of data. They didn't just look at suicide rates in one state, you know, Texas, where there's cities and there's rural areas and there's just all, I mean, all four of these kinds of counties can be found in, in one state. They, they looked at everything. They looked longitudinal, the entire United States, and they got data over 18 entire years. That That's huge. That's a lot of data. That's a lot of information to look at. And it's, it's intimidating. I'm sure it was for them to, to kind of pick through all of this, but they uh, they did it. They they you know pulled up the sleeves and got into it, and um, they they had this longitudinal way of gathering this data, and that is that is a very effective way of presenting and putting forward new information and new data. But yeah, I I, I mean I don't know. I think it's a really solid study. They did a lot of things well in it. They spread their scope. They you know it provided solutions, gathered the numbers, all that stuff. It's it's really solid for the research. Um, but there are there obviously are a few things that this research is limited by, and I think that that starts off by saying that obviously with suicide, suicide is a very individual experience. It's a very um, it's a very individual thing, right? It's and it's really hard to it's really hard to look at suicide on a macro level um, unless you're just doing what we've done, where we're just talking about the numbers, right? It's really hard to understand each person's experience when you're just saying, you know, 400, whatever thousand it's, I mean, so it's, there is that limitation. We don't know every circumstance. We don't know every single one of those people's circumstances and how, how, what led to the suicide, what, what truly contributed, you know, all that stuff. We don't know exactly all those things. So that's obviously a limitation. Another limitation could be that, you know, it was, it was done by counties, which, is I think it's I, I do think that it's conducive to this research the county thing, but that that measurement can sort of uh, it it can it can vary the research to some degree because some counties 
are varied in the fact that in one county you can have big city and small city and you know stuff like that and a lot going on in one area because uh, some states have a ton of counties and some states don't have that many counties and their counties are spread out into these bigger ones and stuff like that so um, that measurement can have its downfalls but I do think that on the whole for the most part it was a really good way to um, conduct this research and then obviously I think the biggest uh, limitation of this research is that they just touched on ages 25 to 64 I mean there's there's uh, there's a lot going on with suicide for people under the age of 25 and there's a lot going on for people over the age of 64 obviously there's a lot going on for people in that, those groups as well or in the in between that you know that 25 to 64 age range but there is a lot going on for people who are younger just specifically speaking from my own experience I mean the people I've known, I know, I have experience with three different people I know who have committed suicide, and it, the, all, none of them were were over the age of twenty five. They were all under the age of twenty five. They were all in their teens. They weren't even twenty yet, and it's it's just sad that I mean, in my, I'm I'm just one person, and I have ex, I have experience with people in my life, three different people in my life who are all under that, not even included in, in that age range at all. So these numbers are just a, just a percentage of, of what the reality is. And so I do wish, I do think it would be nice if they could have included that kind of, those age groups, but you know, I don't know, there could be a whole slew of things that are affecting, affecting that more so than, uh, or affecting their choice on that one more so. So I don't, I don't know. I just, I think that is a limitation. But uh, just before we wrap this up, I kind of want to talk about really quick why this uh, why this research matters. And it looks like this episode's going a little long, but I think it's that's all right. This is an important topic. This is a this is a really important topic, especially to me. I mean, it's important to a lot of people out there. So I think you know why does this research matter? I think it's huge. This this type of research is huge. It's very important to help us um, in solving this heartbreaking epidemic of suicide. Um, it's incredibly important because like I said, you know, deep depression and suicide has affected so many people that either you or someone, you know, I'm sure has either struggled with depression or attempts of suicide or, you know, succeeding in suicide or whatever. It's, it's out there. It's a reality. And this type of research helps us, helps us find the numbers, helps us find the solutions and the correlations and helps us see, well, you know, we can talk to people, we can do this and we can formulate our own guesses, but these types of correlations kind of give us hard, um, I don't want to say evidence exactly, but because, you know, correlation isn't always causation, but they give us hard, you know, straight paths and potential paths for us to walk towards real solutions, real help for on a massive scale. I think that like like the like the example of the community involvement and and social capital and human capital and and diverse, diversity and connectedness all of these things are correlated with with um, lower rates of suicide and can help us catch bad spirals before they actually you know become a reality and I think without without the data without the numbers we're we're just kind of put in a cycle of you know you know, we'll send our thoughts and prayers and, you know, we'll scream, we'll yell, we'll be mad about it. But what, what can we do to fix it? What can we do to get out there and actually make these numbers go down? Because just, just saying, well, you know, this is, this is a bad thing. And, and, you know, I wish it wouldn't happen. And, you know, if you know someone go, that's all great. And that, that is great. I, I, I do mean that, but 
getting the data in our hands, in the hands of everybody, getting the data in the hands of people who are in positions to make real change with that data is, is incredibly important. Because like I've said many times on this already, this data is incredibly harrowing. It is, it is, it is disheartening and sad and heartbreaking to, to hear about all this. But learning this data and putting it into our brains and into our mouths and making it so that we're talking about it and bringing it, pulling the, the, the demon out into the light and, and looking at it and picking through it is, is what we have to do to fix the problem. Because hiding from it isn't going to make it better. It's going to make things infinitely worse. It's going to make this dangerous, you know, disease of of depression so much worse. It's going to make this so much more difficult to tackle. And it's a situation and a reality that we as a community, as a whole, as a country, and as a world have to address, have to, have to look at. And there's nothing... There's nothing wrong with, with, with that. There's nothing wrong with talking about it and getting it out in the open. And uh, because I, this, I mean, this, the shadow has like a, it has a grip on so many people. Like right now, even as I'm talking on so many people and it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's disheartening. It's, it's so, it's so sad, but it's important to know the first step towards fixing it is being aware, being aware, being able to, you know, learn about this information, these insane numbers and find those solutions, find those correlations that, that show us the right path towards finding, you know, more diversity and, and things like that and more connectedness. I don't know. I, I think that our society is made great through human capital, through, human ideas and human diversity and passion and and real value and all of these things that we do every day and um i mean i i think that i mean i mean we're all on the same team we're all on the same team and we are losing so many of our team members to to themselves to their own to to this horrible horrific thing and it's something that we can, as a community and as a society, begin to prevent. And uh, I don't know, I, I, I would encourage you, obviously I would encourage everybody to, to reach out. If you know people who are struggling with this kind of thing, reach out. You know, begin to, begin the, to, to solve, to try to solve, just at least to try. There's, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with at least trying. There's nothing wrong with at least putting yourself out there and, and trying to stay connected to the people who are struggling and I mean because mo- mo- most of us do struggle to some degree right I-, I think I would encourage you to reach out to those who are struggling if you know someone who is those who are dealing with um, with all of this with with suicide and and ideas of it and talk of it and stay connected to that person and you know if you see someone new who looks sad sitting alone at the table all that stuff yet yeah, like talk to them meet someone new you don't have any idea what kind of effect you can have and don't just do it for them or just for you do it for the sake of like saving our society and saving us from this type of just of this shadow that has loomed and is growing on us because that the all of this saving the society and saving all and and lowering these numbers it's not on it's not on the scientists it's not on the other people it's on us it's on every single person right it's on 
it's on the people with the big names and the policymakers. Sure, it's definitely on them too, but it's definitely on all of us to do our part to help and cull this this uh, this shadow, like I said. Um, because there's, there isn't any more, you know, someone else will do it. Someone else will do it. You know, I'll do it tomorrow. There isn't any more of that, right? These, these numbers are happening now. And these numbers have been happening for the last, you know, 99 to 16, those 18 years, they've been happening. It's the reality of it. And so no more of the, of the, somebody else will do it or I'll do it tomorrow. Um, these, this data is now, this data is happening. These things are real and, it's a real thing to grapple with and deal with. So anyway, I got to wrap up this episode. We're going real long here, 50 minutes. Good heavens. Um, if you're stuck around this long, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Um, if you enjoyed listening to this episode or any of the last episodes, be sure to follow the podcast on whatever platform you're on, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, any other you know, smaller pod, podcast platforms that it's on. Um, if you enjoyed it, you know, share it with your family, your friends. Um, put it out there. Really means a lot to me. Uh, means the world to me. You can also follow me on Instagram at c ashleman. That's at c a s h l i m a n. You can follow me on Instagram. That's where I update the most. I put like I have fun with photography on there and stuff like that. You can also follow me on Twitter. Um, like I said, a lot of my Instagram stuff gets pushed over to Twitter. So if you're a Twitter person, you know definitely follow in that way. And uh, yeah, so thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in. I love you guys. And I hope that you have an awesome week. And I will see you next time on Bed Letter. Bye.